it's fun, isn't it? So a few weeks ago, I was talking to you about rest and about finding rest in God and him being the source of rest. And I was talking about uh, the verse in Leviticus, so the first slide, um, that says... For six days work may be done, but on the seventh day there is a Sabbath of complete rest, a holy convocation. You shall not do any work. It is a Sabbath to the Lord in all your dwellings. And I, and I talked about the idea that you should not do any work. On one hand, this you should not do any work on the Sabbath has to not be a legalistic, bounding you rule. You can't just be like, oh, I have to do it because otherwise... I won't get my blessing. I, I have to do this because otherwise God doesn't love me. God doesn't like me. But on the other hand, it's also not just a suggestion. It's not just, oh, for a season or for a time or for when you can. It, it's more of an instruction. And I kind of explained to it a bit of an instruction as a, for a manual. And I was talking about my coffee machine. In lockdown, I love coffee, by the way. And in lockdown, I was finding it really hard to not go to Costa and um, get coffee. Oh, thank you so much. Um, so I bought a really nice coffee machine, but this really nice coffee machine needs loads of taking care of. So it came with like a really nice, very thick manual that I had to read. And I have to read every now and then to take care of this coffee machine. Uh, you know, I have to give it a clean every now and then. I have to give it a rest every now and then. I have to make sure it has water. I have to make sure... I have to take care of it. And why? Because I like it. Because it's precious to me. Because I want it to last me. Because I, I give value to this coffee machine. Therefore, I read its manual. Therefore, I follow the instructions of how to take care of it. If I would run 25 coffees an hour, and then I would never give it a clean, and I would, I'd be like, well, why is it now not working? Well, it's not working because you didn't use it the way it was intended to use. You didn't take care of it the way it was intended to work. And now you're asking it to make another co- yet another coffee, but it's not going to do it. But we do that to ourselves, and I said that sometimes... And it might sound a bit extreme, but sometimes I feel like I take better care of my coffee machine than I, I do of myself. Because there are weeks where I give my coffee machine a rest, but I don't give myself a rest. So, if you want, you know, when God tells us that we should rest, it's not a suggestion. But it's a way of taking care of his creation. You are his creation. I am his creation. He's the creator but I am the creation. If you want this body and, to, and this mind to last and to thrive, you need to take care of it the way the creator intended you to take care of it. Not the way you want to take care of it. Not the way culture or society or people tell you to take care of it. But the way the creator told you to take care of it. I would not listen if someone would come and be like, by the way, for your coffee machine to work, you should plug it, unplug it, plug it, unplug it, plug it, unplug it. I'd be like, excuse me, did you make this coffee machine? Do you know how to take care of it? No. So listen to the instruction. So if I want this body and mind to rest, uh, to work the way God and the creator of it intended to work, I need to listen to the creator. So how do we rest? In a place of, you know, in a time of how do we rest and pause and unhurry in a world of fast food, quick texting, FaceTime, prime delivery, and everything at your fingertips. Put your hand up if you've ordered something off Amazon this week and it came the next day. Oh, I thought it was just going to be me. Um, And it's convenient, but 
somehow, when I go to a small business website and it says, deliver three to five working days, I'm like, what? It's not going to be here tomorrow, but I need it tomorrow. So I can put it in the cupboard and not use it for a while. But I need it tomorrow. And we live in this world of I need everything right now. I need it on my hand. I need it today. You know, then I heard about Amazon Prime, whatever they're doing, to deliver like within two hours. Do we really need something that urgently that I need it within two hours? That someone has to get in the car and drive it to my house. But we live in this world that's normal. It's normal for my package to arrive here the next day. And if it doesn't, I will make sure to complain. Because I wanted it fast. And I wanted it now. And I want my food now. And I'm going to order it on my phone. And they better come. Quick. And it's all quick, quick, quick. And all hurry, hurry, hurry. Um, which reminds me right now to slow down to talk. <laughs> but the paradox of this is that it takes effort to rest. And it takes hard work to rest and slow down. It's a choice that you make every day. And I know some people don't like choices. I, don't, I know some people don't like to make choices or find it difficult. But the truth is, we make a choice every day. When you have a choice between A and B and you say, I don't like to make choices, therefore I won't make a choice, you have made a choice. So I might as well choose something that brings me life. I might as well use what I have to allow this body and this mind to work and thrive the way it was meant to. And I also want to do this because this is not just about me. It's not just about you. This is about everybody. When I am in a good place and rest and operate out of that place, I benefit, but then everyone around me benefits. And this is not meant to be just about you. I'm talking to myself. <laughs> but it's true. We, it, we are not meant to change and be like Jesus just for your own benefit. It's for everybody around you. But it does start with you. So let's look at Jesus. He operated from rest. He walked and healed and lived from a place of rest and unhurry. But not just for his own benefit, but to bring life to everyone around him. Everywhere he went... He was in a place of unhurry. And everyone around him benefited from that. Everyone around him received life because of who he was. Whenever he spoke, wherever he went, he spoke life. He gave life. He gave on himself because he was in a place to give. Well, you can't give from an empty place. You can't pour from an empty cup. But so many of us, we try. And then burnout happens. So let's read these words in Exodus 31 verse 17. It will, be, it will be a sign between me and the Israelites forever. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth. And on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. And these words stuck with me last time. And I want to put this verse up again. Because he rested and was refreshed. A lot of time I rest without the refreshing after. And I want, to ref I want to rest and receive the refreshment after. This is how God intended me to rest, in a way that I rest and I get refreshed, which means, yeah, God doesn't just want me to cease from labor, but he wants me to be refreshed. Therefore, we must look at him when we cease our labor. He is the one that gives us rest. So, some questions for you. What refreshes you? What gives you what you need to keep going? 
When you cease labor, what do you do? And then follow-up question, do you feel refreshed after? Do you feel restored after? So I, w- I used last time the example of trying to fill a bath that doesn't have the plug-in. The water can run, but when you stop the tap, the water is going down the drain. So sometimes you are trying to fill your cup, but then when at the end of filling your cup, you still don't feel more refreshed. It's like a bath that just... The tap is running and it's running and it's running. And at the end, you don't have a bath full of water. You still have an empty bath. And then that is the reason because there's some things that we might think or we might look at or culture and society might tell us they're going to fill you up. But actually, they, they drain you. They don't give you anything that you want for the next day. You know, there are times when I, I, I see from labor and I might watch three episodes of my favorite show. And I think, oh, this was so nice for me to do this. And the next day, I'm just as tired. And I want a little bit more time to watch my favorite episodes. Or I want a little bit more time to sleep. Or I, want, I don't feel refreshed. And it's like, oh. But there was my one week, my one evening at a week that I had the free night to myself. And now I don't even feel more refreshed. That, and it, it gets to this point where like, I want something more. I want to feel refreshed. So we must feel... We must fill it up with things that keep it full. And I really believe that we will not find refreshing in Netflix, Instagram scrolling, Candy Crush playing, World of Warcraft fighting, or tidying up one more cupboard. The refreshing that this verse is talking about comes from and only from God. I'm not saying he cannot be, he can't be in those things because he is everywhere. He speaks to you in everything. But he has got to be my source. He has got to be my main source of rest. Everything has to flow from relationship and intimacy with him. God is all about relationship and people and community and togetherness. But it has to flow from a place of relationship with him. Jesus was always surrounded by people. We will look at a few of the verses but you all came from a place of intimacy with the Father. So how do we find rest? How do we practically do this? And I'm going to share with you four, practical, four practices that I have learned and have found very helpful. And we'll go into a couple of them more in depth today and a couple of them in a few weeks. So the first one I want to share with you is silence and solitude. And for some of you, you might think, yeah, this, is, this sounds amazing, silence and solitude. And for some of you, you might be like, I cannot think of anything worse. And I was definitely the latter. I love being with people. I love talking, if you couldn't tell. I love chatting. I love being with people. I've been surrounded by people. I love eating with people. I love everything to do that is not by myself or quiet. And then... I learned that I have to spend some time in silence and solitude with the Father. And, that, and I've always thought myself as a person of, I just process things out loud. I just deal with things when I talk to somebody. I, it's just who I am. But actually, my soul longs for silence and solitude with the Father. I just need to find it. I just need to do it. And I, I was thinking of it like this. Um... We all know that drinking water is very healthy for you. But some days, you don't drink as much. You drink more coffee than water. But the days that I don't drink so much water, 
I also don't feel more thirsty, even though my body needs it. But the days that I wake up and have a glass of water, by the end of the evening, by the end of the day, I want more water. So the things, you, you have to start small for your body to want more. You, your, your rest, your, your soul, your body needs the rest. Your body needs the time and silence and solitude with the Father. But when you don't do it, you don't feel like you need to do it. But the more you do it, the more you're like, no, actually, I do want it. I started with a small amount of time. I'm getting my head ahead of myself. But it's still true. You, it's still true that I process out loud. It's still true that I deal with things and I, uh, I like talking to somebody through. I like talking with somebody through the things that I'm going through. But silence and solitude with God, I found that that is my source. Everything else is an added bonus. Everything else and everyone else is an addition and a blessing to what God already has done for me. It's already an, addi- it's an addition to what me and God have. Everyone else around and everything else is an addition. And practicing, being in the presence of God, has really helped me to embrace and enjoy it. The more I do it, the more I want it. I mean, being a mother to a three-year-old also helps wanting to be by yourself in silence and solitude. <laughs> Until you're in the kitchen and then it's too quiet. And you're like, this is not good quiet. Let's go back out. But silence and solitude can be either one of those things that you're like, no, I really want it. And therefore you make a priority because you're the type of person that really enjoys it. And then you might be like, actually, I don't. But I think regardless of how your nature is, Silence and solitude, it's a time and it's a part of that God wants you to have with him. Because Jesus, let's look at him. Let's look at Jesus and how he spent his time. How did he practice silence and solitude? And if we read Luke 5, we read this in verse 15. Yet the news about him spread all the more, so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sickness. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Jesus often withdrew to lonely places to pray. The news about him spread and he withdrew to pray. Somehow that to, to our brain in our day and age is like, what? The news about him spread and he withdrew. You mean he didn't book more conferences and more exciting times and he didn't book the arena, you know, to get everyone because the news about him spread. He withdrew. There are nine references in the book of Luke alone about Jesus going off alone to pray, to spend time with the Father. Jesus needed a time to be alone with the Father, the time to pray. And I don't believe it was a a loud declaring praying time. I think it was a time of resting and who the Father was. It was a time of Jesus and the Father being together. Maybe most of the times when I say pray, I don't actually mean Jesus would probably even using words out loud. Just being in the presence of the Father. Resting in who Jesus was in the Father. Giving him glory, listening, sharing life. If Jesus needed it, how much more do I need it? If Jesus needed to go, if Jesus became the big news of that time... And he needed to withdraw to pray. How much more do I need it? In our very, very, very busy life. You know, Jesus didn't have a phone and emails and all the things that we have now as distraction. And he still needed to withdraw 
to withdraw to spend time with the Father? How much more do I need in this day and age? In another story, in Mark 6, we read this. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going, they did not even have a chance to eat. He said to them, come with me by yourself to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. They were tired. They didn't even get a chance to eat. And Jesus told them, let's go to a quiet place. Let's go to a solitary place. Just us. Not for a nap, nor out for a drink, nor out for a meal, not watching Netflix. To a solitary place with Jesus. The disciples needed that time after the business, after the people, after the giving. They needed to go back to a solitary place with Jesus. Jesus was basically telling him, guys, this is how it's meant to be. When I'm not here, this is how you're also meant to do it. After all this, you're meant to get away to a solitary place with me. And he, he didn't just tell them that, he helped them doing it, and he showed them how to do it by him withdrawing all the time. They needed to get away physically and away mentally, away from the distractions. To find silence and solitude, you must find a space and time for it. And you must put away the distractions. To find rest, you must go to a solitary place. So I, I'm aware that right now might be a battle in your head. Like, but what about this? Of course she's talking about a solitary place because she's got these many rooms in the house, but I don't have that many rooms in my house. What about this? What about this? And that is a battle that happens in our heads all the time. And I think it's a battle that when we hear about rest, when we hear about getting away, when we hear about doing less, there's a battle in our minds. And I think the spirit knows what he longs for. The spirit knows that he, what he needs. But our nature, our flesh is like, no, but let's do more. Let's be more busy. Let's paint one more room. Let's clean one more cupboard. Let's add one more thing to our to-do list. And there is this fight going on in our head. And more often than not, that voice wins because we become more and more and more busy. But the spirit within us longs for it. And at times, maybe the voice is not so loud, but allow it. And then that voice, will, you won't be able to, be, to quiet it. So what are your distractions? What are the things that are so easy to reach when you're exhausted, but don't fill you up? What are the things that you need to work extra hard to put out of sight to make time with the creator? There will be different things for each one of us. These are questions for you to answer. What are your distractions? What are the things that are so easy to reach when you're exhausted, but don't fill you up? I know mine. It's my phone. I can reach to my phone before I even opened my eyes sometimes. Because it's so easy. It's there. And when I reach to it, there's 10 messages, a few Instagram scrollings, and a couple of reels, and I watch them. And then, you know, 40 minutes later, I'm like, I'm just as exhausted. So then what do I do? Do I blame the phone and then keep there by my bedside, but blame the phone? Oh, this phone, let's keep it by my bedside. No. I do something about it. So beginning of January, I don't take my phone up to bed. 10 p.m., my phone goes to bed. And then I go to bed. And then, and then I go to bed without my phone. And it's so freeing. And in the beginning, 
I'll tell you what, because he was not like, oh, this is amazing. Thank you, Jesus. I'm so free. I'm so, this is amazing. Thank you. I'll have all this free time to pray. At the beginning, I was like, but what if somebody texts me and I don't reply? But what if an email comes through and I don't reply? I'm a stay-at-home mom. I'm not sure what email was I thinking about, but I was like, what if this will happen without me? What if my friend will post a picture and I have not liked it? And then nothing happened because everyone managed to get on with their lives. And it's now been, what, 10 months that I've done this? And nothing, got, nothing urgent happened without me. And the more I did, the more I go, this is fine. This is okay. Nothing went wrong if I put my phone away at night. But that was my distraction. You have to know your distractions and you have to know your limit. I went through a, a, a phase of like, I know my phone is my distraction. And that was it. But you have to do something with that. Admitting it, it's great. But you actually have to do something with that. Put somebody, I mean, I literally tell my husband, like, I'm there on the sofa and it gets to 10 p.m. I'm like, Matthew, just take it from me. It's in my hand. I'm like, Matthew, take it from me. And he's like, is, is this a trap? I'm like, no, please take it away from me. And he literally removes it from my hand and puts it in the place where we put it to bed. Because I know myself, even though I said at 10 p.m. I put my phone away, it's there in my hand. So maybe ask somebody to keep you accountable. Ask somebody to help you. You know, we have people around us. So have you identified these things that distract you? Have you admitted that they are distractions and starting to put things in place? This uh, couple of weeks ago, I was catching up with Adam's preach from a few weeks ago on uh, multiplying and putting whatever you have in your hands in the hands of a multiplier. And it was a great word. Listen to it again if you have the time. But as I was walking and listening to this word, I realized that it also applies to time. Whatever time I have in my hand, I must put it in the hands of the multiplier. He can do more with one minute than Netflix can do with an hour. I'm sorry, I'm picking up Netflix just because I watch so much Netflix. You might think, what? But you must start by looking at what you have and know what you don't have. I know that as I'm sharing this, some of you are thinking, but I don't have that. But when? I don't have an hour to sit and pray. But what do you have? Instead of focusing so much on what we don't have, on what time we don't have, what time do you have? I cannot do this because my life is so busy and I go from this to this to this. But what do you have? Jesus isn't asking you what you don't have. He's asking you, what do you have? But I don't have an hour to sit and pray. Okay, what do you have? Do you have 10 minutes in the morning before you set off? Do you have five minutes when you're, you're queuing for your shopping? Do you have one minute while packing your children's lunch? Do you have one minute while the kettle is boiling? No? Nobody has that minute. Okay, just me then. But do you? Because we do other things with that. But give that to him, and you will be amazed what he can do with it. I have been amazed at the times when I have given that to God, that one minute, and the things that he has spoken to me, and the things that he has done in that one minute, when I've chosen to give it to him, instead of the phone, instead of the attention, instead of everything else. What you have, place it in his hand. He wants the one minute with you now, rather than wait for two weeks until your schedule is cleared and you can give him a full hour. Because he wants a relationship with you. You know, at the moment, our life is pretty busy with one three-year-old and it's about to get quite busy. So for us to find, for my husband and I to find a date night, sometimes it's weeks. 
And if we waited two, three weeks to talk or to spend the time because life is busy, there wouldn't be a very good relationship. But we, we try to steal every five minutes that we can while we're in the car and always listen to music. We talk, we build on the relationship. What time do you have to give to your relationship with God? So what do you have? What time do you have? Start there. Start with the little you have. Make it a priority. If it's a minute or if it's an hour, make it a priority. Wherever you are, start there. Work on increasing and getting wherever you want to be, but start where you are. I remember a time before having our son, I would wake up one hour before I would go to work, and that would be my time to pray, to journal, to process the day. I don't have that now. Because if my son gets up at six and I dare to get up at five, he'll be like, good morning. So I have to find other time. It's easy to be like, well, I don't have the time now. I'll just wait until my children grow up. And then I'll give some time to Jesus. And then I'll give some time to silence and solitude. But I don't want to do that. So I move it around. I know for myself I'm not a night person. I start praying or closing my eyes past 9 p.m. I will be asleep. So I work with what I can, with what time I have. I've made time. I've made a list of the times that I have. And God takes the priority of my time. Wherever you are, start there. One of the first things that I did when I started thinking of this, in terms of like, what time do you have? And it might sound a bit like, of course you do that, but try starting by doing one thing at a time. How many times do we just do one thing at a time? I think the only time I do one thing at a time is probably when I drive, because I can't really do anything else apart from driving. And even then, sometimes I end up passing snacks to my son. But doing one thing at a time is important. Make, if you're making a cup of tea, make the cup of tea. Don't unload the dishwasher and put the loading on and answer to an email and then put some music on. Just make the cup of tea. Slow down to just do one thing at a time. It's easy to think, I'll do this when the kids grow. I'll do this when I have more time, when my job isn't as crazy, when I have my own place, when the pandemic is over, or when dot, 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 fill in the black for your own. But I'm meant to get rest now. I'm meant to get away in the boat with Jesus now. Get away with him in a solitary place now. Not when life is all sorted, but now. The time I have a silence and solitude has to start with silence. No music, no background, no nothing. I allow God to speak. I will allow him to take the time. I give him the space. There is something about being quiet in the presence of God that is beautiful. And quiet, I don't, yes, I mean by starting external quiet, but also quiet in your mind. There are times when I start being in that moment and then it's like, Add this to the shopping list. Maybe do this for tea. Have you replied to that text? And I really have to work hard on quieting my mind. Because in that moment, God is speaking to me, but I'm not hearing it. All I'm hearing is my own thoughts, my own to-do list. There are plenty of times when I sing and shout, declare and pray and say things out loud. But the times when I'm quiet in his presence are the times when he speaks to me. The times in the quiet are the times I'm resting and placing my head on the pillow, even in the middle of the storm. Those times of quiet are so, so precious. 
And he wants you to give him whatever little time you have. I remember a little while ago, I drove my mom to the airport and I was driving back and I had a couple of hours and there was nothing better on the radio and I was already driving so I couldn't be bothered to put any music on. So I just decided to, you know, I'll admit, as last resort when music and radio wasn't working, oh, I might as well pray because I have this time. But I started praying and I was telling God about something and then I heard this beautiful voice and God was like, what about this? I don't even remember what I was praying. But I remember halfway through listening to God, I was like, but God, I've been struggling with this for two months. Could you have not given me this answer like two months ago? I've been really struggling with this. I've really been wanting something. And God was like, but maybe I was telling you. You were just not listening. And I was like, oh, yeah, that is true. Never mind. Because I gave him that time. He was speaking to me. But he's always there waiting to speak to me. He, I enter his presence, not the other way around. He is always ready. He is always available. It's me that needs to put myself in a place of availability. It's me that needs to put my head, my mind, my body, my surroundings in a place of listening and being ready. Making time for silence and solitude is creating a space for you to listen to your father and your creator. Is putting him first, your priority. When you are feeling down and you are feeling good, he is there waiting to share it all with you. In your low, in your valley, and in your good times. So a few practical things about it. Start where you are, know where you want to be. Know where you think you should be. Start where you are. Do you have the just one minute when you make a cup of tea? Start with that one. Make it a priority. The same way certain things in your life are non-negotiable, don't allow this to become bottom of the list. Don't allow it to become a legalistic thing that you're, you're worried or out of fear, but make it a priority. Don't beat yourself up when you're not doing it or when you don't get it quite right. Be accountable to someone. Allow someone to keep you accountable. Again, no legalistic, but accountability is key. Accountability comes from a place of love. So, the the, the second practice I want to talk to you about today, before we finish, is slowing. And this one is pretty self-explanatory. But slowing in today's world is quite hard. Slowing down. Everything is fast, quick, accessible. Slowing as an antidote to hurry is as much about physical slowing as well as internal slowing. Okay, in your job and maybe in the first thing in the morning when you try to leave the house with tons of things and I was going to say millions of kids, um, a few kids and bags, you might think, but I don't have time to slow then. Okay, but when do you have time to slow? Are you sometimes driving and you are stuck behind a very slow driver? And you think, I'll just overtake them. You know, I'll just overtake them because I have got to get myself there. But maybe in that moment, just slow down. Like, really allow yourself to slow down. And then your mind will catch up. Or you are in the queue for shopping and you're thinking, you know, maybe go to the longest one. No? Anybody? Um, Maybe go to the longest one and leave your phone in your pocket and just spend the time praying. Or saying thank you for your day. Or giving God any worry that you might have on your day. Slowing down is as much about physically slowing as well as mentally slowing. 
To start with, you'll have to make a very conscious decision to do this, to slow down. You have got, we've got to use to do things fast, to do three things at a time. By the time, you know, I don't like to agree this. I was going to just check if my husband's here. But I don't like to agree this, but nobody can truly multitask. You think you can, and I believed for a very long time that I can truly multitask. First of all, because I'm a woman. Second of all, because of course I can multitask. Look at all the things I'm doing at the same time. But the reality is, you're just doing three things at the best 80%. When you could do one thing at a time at 100%. And you might think, okay, maybe when I'll talk to my friend, I'll do just this one thing at a time. But when I do the washing up, I, do, I have to do more things at a time. No, you don't have to. Things will get done. Your to-do list will get done. When I first started thinking about this, slowing, I had to really remind myself to slow down at all times. I had some post-it notes around, um, you know, I had a reminder on my phone, I had post-it notes. If you know me very well, I like everything fast. I even speak fast in a second language because I'm like, let's just, let's just finish the sentence. So that was really hard for me, and it's still hard for me, and I still don't like to slow down on a lot of things, and I still do sometimes during the day a million things at a time. But it starts with the very small things. Like, for example, I remember reading a story to my son at bedtime, and I would be so quick. My, my husband would always say, how do you do bedtime so quickly? And I'm thinking, because I read the story quick. And I turn the pages before I even get there, you know, skip three pages at a time. And <laughs> don't tell him. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but then, but then, five years from now, I'll be like, "Oh, but I miss when he was really tiny, and I could read stories to him, and now he doesn't want me to read stories to him." But I'm in it now, so why don't I just enjoy it now and then mourn about it later because it's already gone? It's easy to look back and be like, "I wish I had more time," but now you are in that moment. Five years from now, you're looking at this moment and be like, I wish I had more time. But you are in that moment now. You have more time. So I slowed myself down. I literally, I tell the story so slowly. And I let him, even though it takes forever, turn the pages. And there are times when I'm like, all I want is for you to go to sleep so I can go downstairs and get on with the million things I need to do. And that is what my mind is. But I allow my body to really slow down. And then my mind catches up. And then I have a good time. And then the things that I need to do get done anyway. But I started noticing that slowing down started in, in, in other areas as well. Like replying to a text or an email. Before responding so quickly, I think, do I need to do this now? Do I need to stop what I'm doing to reply now? And then... Past that, I started asking myself this question. Am I replying out of love or out of fear? And what I mean by that, not fear as in someone's going to... But fear of like, if I don't reply now, what will they think of me? If I don't reply now, will they still like me? If I don't reply now, will they think I'm a bad friend? If I don't reply now, fill in the blank. Am I doing this in a hurry out of love or out of fear? When I look at Jesus, I can see that he was always operating out of love. Out of rest, never out of fear. Even when slowing seemed like the wrong option to everyone around him. Why would you not go and see your friend that is dying? Let's read. This next one says, so when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Uh, uh, what? 
Your sick friend is not well. And let's face it, they don't have trains or Ubers or anything. He has to walk there. But he stayed where he was two more days. He didn't rush to him out of worry or fear. Oh, if I don't go now, will people think I'm not a good friend to Lazarus? If I don't go now, will he die? And maybe, maybe, maybe God, this is the one time that God doesn't resurrect him. God, Jesus was not doing anything out of fear. He was not responding to, come Jesus, quick, come and see your friend. He stayed where he was for two more days. Everyone around him was not understanding. He didn't do things to please people around him. He operated in a kingdom way, which seemed upside down to everyone. Please understand me. I am not saying don't go and see your sick friend. Because sometimes we can take looking at Jesus a bit too literal. I don't mean your friend calls you and you say, you know what, I'm going to stay where I am for two more days. I don't mean that. I mean... Slow down before doing anything and ask yourself from which place you're doing it. Jesus wasn't like, oh, last time I stayed for two more days with Lazarus. Therefore, this time I'm also going to stay for two more days. He didn't have a pattern. He doesn't have a pattern. He operates from where he is. And that place is a place of intimacy with the Father. A place of relationship with the Father. Therefore, he can slow himself down and say, where am I doing this? Slowing in the world of chaos of the, mod, of the modern world can seem upside down. But the kingdom way is often upside down. To our culture, to our world today, to people. But I want to look at Jesus, not at the culture, not at the way people do things these days. I want to look at him, even when he seems upside down. I'm in this world, but I'm not of this world. So what can you start with today? What are the things that you could slow down physically and allow your mind to catch up? What are the things that you can slow down and ask yourself, from which place am I doing this? These are questions for you. These are questions for you to ponder, answer, maybe meet up with a friend for a coffee and try to answer them together. You know, it's not going to be an instant, speaking of slowing, this is not going to be an instant fix because tomorrow you go in the long queue in Aldi, but it's a life every day lifestyle. Jesus was doing this all the time. So yeah, what are the things that you could slow down physically and allow God to be in that place? Amen.